Welcome to Rag Trader Radio, a behind-the-scenes look at the latest in the Australian fashion industry. This episode is proudly brought to you by Klarna. Klarna has been connecting the world's biggest brands with shoppers for over 15 years. Let your customers pay with flexibility, give them the freedom to shop when inspired, and pay later. Boost sales, increase average order value, and keep your customers coming back for more. Boost your business with Klarna, online and in-store. Visit klarna.com.au. Hi everyone and welcome to Rag Trader Radio. My name is Imogen Bailey. I am the Associate Editor of Rag Trader and today I'm joined by Hugo Boss, CPAC Managing Director, Matthew Kieran. Matt oversees Boss's operations in Oceania, Japan, Korea and Southeast Asia. He is an experienced and agile leader who has been leading Hugo Boss on its casualization mission for a few years now, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So thanks so much for joining me today, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me on today, Imogen. No problem. So what we're going to be talking about today is how Hugo Boss has kind of been moving in the direction of casual workwear or casualized workwear and pieces. And, you know, for those who know Hugo Boss, they would probably think it's suits for weddings and events and workwear. And when you really want to look sharp, that's where you go, right? Well, I would like to think so. You know, we've always been, I suppose, a, a mainstay of the uh, the career work uh, workforce for many, many years now. But uh, you know, casualization is something that's been happening before COVID. So we've already sort of seen sort of a great growth of you know sportswear, this athleisure, you know, in, in at least the sort of the decade um, before COVID. So it's not something that uh, is come on is come on all of a sudden. It's uh, it's something that we we're preparing for. But of course, COVID sped up. That situation, um, you know, pretty quickly. But the good news is that um, we we do see a good balance, you know, so that the stores and the the cities that are open um, are not just selling tracksuit pants and, and t-shirts. Um, and good that we are selling a lot of those, but we are seeing a, a return to, particularly for occasions, um, a return to tailoring. Now, not so much a suit and tie, but you know, jackets and trousers and, and things like this. So, a casualized version of of tailoring. So it's interesting that you talk about the fact that this casualization has been going on since before COVID because one of the major campaigns that you guys have launched during this time has been the Russell Athletic Partnership, which is sort of a collaboration collection that comes together, brings together these two really strong brands um, to bring lovely, like elevated leisure wear to consumers. And this is, you know, a huge campaign that has run most recently um, uh, a couple months ago now, but it has a huge focus on social um, first and digital first kind of activations. And so, some of the numbers on this, Matt, is unbelievable. Because Extraordinary. <laughs> I, like, I just was looking at them before. So, the most recent um, launch, uh, the second collection that came out um, not too long ago, 4 billion impressions in four days, social impressions. Like 4 billion is unbelievable. 25 million engagements in four days. Um, on TikTok, there's a hashtag boss moves, 2.2 billion views 
on TikTok of that hashtag and there's been 1.3 million challenge videos. So 1.3 users have created a dance to that boss moves hashtag. So that is just unbelievable. Those numbers just blow my mind. Can you talk me through that, like this whole this whole campaign and, and its purpose and what impact it's having on the brand? Well, I mean, it's an extraordinary result, you know, as you said, and I think it's um, it's the largest social media coverage in Fashion Week history. So, as you said, it was 4 million impressions. Um, so, it was certainly um, a, a different way of presenting, um, different way of presenting product. You know, in this case, we didn't even go with what would be considered our, our normal collections. We went with the collaboration. We did it outside where the fashion shows are. You know, we brought, as you said, so many different influences and different, you know, activations around it. So, it's been phenomenal. And it's part of our, you know, our overall drive to, you know, take the brand to to a, a broader audience, to a younger audience, um, in in a different way. You know, casualization, as you said, is important, but this sort of activation with um, you know, heritage brand like Russell Athletic and like you know, Boss, um, it was a really really important partnership that we wanted you know to get out to as many people as possible. I think people would not normally consider. Uh, us working with, you know, working in that way. Um, and it's part of our, you know, we have a new CEO, Daniel Greeter. Um, we have a new marketing team. And we, we have a, a very, very strong focus on um, digital first, whether that be, you know, e-commerce platforms or in the realms of CRM or social media. So, you know, it certainly was one of the largest campaigns we've ever put together. And, yeah, an amazing result. We've seen incredible reaction from, you know, so many different walks of life um and then and as you said the take-up rate was also really incredible so it wasn't just being watched it was being interacted with Mm. and that's obviously one of the key i guess um metrics that you can find is that people sure they haven't just viewed it they're actively participating and engaging with the content and the concept and the the challenge of um whatever the hashtag challenge is because while the reach is important and the views are important, I think that that really shows that the, that it's resonating. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. So, it's, it's, yeah, and as mentioned, the, the sort of interaction and people, you know, getting, getting off the sofa and getting involved and, you know, doing a dance and, and, and wanting the product, you know, it's a, it's immediate um, reaction and, and, and it, it certainly um, solidifies um, the direction that, that we're going in and um, was – this is the second collection we've done with um, Russell Athletic. The first was launched in you know, Northern Hemisphere Spring. It also had a very good reaction, but, I mean, this is something else, and it's really just taken it to a next level. So we're super excited. The reaction has been good, you know, across all markets. Um, and, of course, the collection this time was themed around baseball. So a couple of my markets, in Japan and Korea particularly, big baseball following countries. And so that also resonates quite strongly the Americas is also a big focus again. For, you know, always was, but um, you know, try to try to reinvigorate the brand uh, away from uh, a very very tailored focused company into something that's much broader. Um, and of course, the use of uh, baseball and the uh, interaction with a heritage brand is, is certainly taking it there. And how does the collection perform sales-wise? I mean, uh, how is it going locally with Australians? Are they are they resonating and, and wanting it too? 
Yeah, well, we, we can sort of like look more to the on, like, it's hard to say for Australia, given that Sydney and Melbourne have been locked down. You know, there's 75 percent of the, of the of the sales, unfortunately. But um, uh, you know, we've we've got it launched just you know recently into the uh, um, the Asian markets, and already we see you know very good uptake. E-commerce is probably an easier one to look at, um, and we can see you know globally, not just you know uh, in Australia, the uptake on certain items that were there, you know, ready for ready for sale on online was really quite high, and and certainly went in line with the uh, um, the impressions that we saw. And you mentioned earlier too about it having a new CEO and a new marketing team and some of these decisions that have been make, made um, are really resonating. And t- to be honest, Matt, one of them was <laughs> one that resonated with me was the appointment of um, Chris Hemsworth as a global ambassador. So obviously Aussies love him. The world Absolutely. loves him. He's, you know, a superstar with um, his agreements with Marvel and other movies that he's done. But uh, some of the imagery is just absolutely gorgeous. I can't help but just be a bit of a fangirl when they when they come through on my emails. But I just I, I want to know like how his influence is kind of impacting the brand. I mean, what what um, does he kind of bring and and I guess give to Boss? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think we've been talking for years about you know who who is the who is an ambassador for our brand, um, and you know he sort of he resonates. You know, he's sustainable. He's a sustainability. You know, he's someone that we all admire and look up to. He's um, not bad looking, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty fit, but yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty fit, pretty successful. You know, all of those kind of things. Yeah, um, and even best for our market, of course, he's Australian and has been based here, so. Um, you know, it's if I can just give a little bit of a reaction that he was launched at the beginning of the year as our official, you know, overall fashion ambassador. Uh, and Australia was um, one of the best performing markets for the first half of the year. That was all before, of course, you know, the second half and things went a little bit um, pear shaped. But, um, you know, it certainly resonates well with um, the Australian market. Um, but I even looked to sort of some of my other Asian markets, and you know the the impact of and the impressions that he generates is is pretty incredible. Um, so it's been really exciting. We did have a, a really big event planned for um, to do in Sydney this year, but um, due to everything that happened, that had to be um, postponed. So we're hoping we can do something um, next year with Chris. You know, we're doing a lot of again, as you said, you know, activation, we've got new brand logo launches and all kinds of things coming up. So he's part of an, an even wider um, team of brand ambassadors going forward. And yeah, can't wait to do that event in Australia. I'll see if I can squeeze you an invitation. Oh, that would be, oh, I don't, wouldn't even know what to be doing with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just faint at the door. I mean, um, yeah, and and so you said about him being based in Australia and obviously for the marketing team, I'm imagining that that would be like a dream come true, being able to even even with lockdowns and border restrictions and travel restrictions in place, have they been able to kind of um, remotely direct uh, shoots with him and, and you've been able to kind of use that to your advantage to get the content um, ready? Yeah, well, we've all been sort of a little bit, it's, it's been a little bit difficult between you know you know Europe was locked down out of you know out of Australia and but you know it was all managed you know with the uh, the help of digital assets these days you know there's uh, there's different ways to to make that happen so you know we'd like to provide um, and, and work with teams to make sure that the product's getting there but um, yeah it's a lot of it is done from you know done remotely and done with teams that are a little bit closer to him you know he has his own stylist of course and we've actually used his stylist for. Um, 
uh, special uh, VIP customer interaction um, where you know they can interact with um, with Chris's stylist and, and get you know professional um, you know coordination advice. And I think that's something else that we, is also we like to do. You know, money can't buy experiences for our customers, and that's certainly why one of the reasons why we've been so successful um, in the, you know the past few years is that we do have extremely um, strong relationships with our customers. So to try and bring that ambassador and customer relationship together is is something that's really important. And I imagine that that then also increases the word of mouth, you know, customer recommendations because if somebody says, oh, well, I had an experience with um, Chris Hemsworth's stylist who personally styled this outfit for me or, you know, for my wedding or for, for whatever reason they were interacting is then, you know, and one of the, I guess, key metrics and um, almost unpurchasable ways of, of getting brand loyalty is through that customer recommendation and, and people being able to, to say to somebody else, hey, this is a brand that I really love and a business that I really enjoy their experience with. You should also try it. I mean, th- that type of that is all, almost like intangible too. Oh, absolutely. You know, the word, word of mouth recommendation, so it's a hard one to actually track, you know, in this day of we like to track return on investment in, in everything, but but it is a very, very strong, um, uh, you know, a, a strong way of of gaining um, new, new customers, you know, acquiring new customers. And we like to do events um, with, you know, our top customers where they bring their friends along because, you know, as we all know, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You know, and they're generally influenced by your, by your peers. Um, I mean, so for menswear, particularly, you know, we always think, you know, where do men get their their fashion cues from? It's a hard one, right? I mean, even someone that's in, in that's in fashion, you think like, like where do, where do we get our cues from? Um, and actually, the the peer to peer influence is very very strong. But it's just like. How do you get those guys? <laughs> Women are definitely much more influenced by, you know, the social media and, you know, you know, even sort of the visual impact of what they see, um, you know, perhaps on a mannequin. But, you know, for guys, it's, it's not as, as simple as that from, all, from what our research tells us. So, yeah, definitely, you know, bring a friend along. It's, uh, it's something that's important. And in terms of marketing and customer acquisition, it's working with like-minded brands and, and you know, again, trying to add value or, or take our brand out of the bricks and mortar space um, into um, where, where people are. I mean, retail is not a shop anymore, is it? It's, it's different channels, it's e-commerce, but it's also where the customer is. So once upon a time, it might have been a boardroom or it might have been a, a real estate agent. And we do intend to go back into those directions where we can offer advice. You know, As the world changes, you know, you're talking about the casualization. It's not like suits and, you know, jackets and trousers will go. It's just the way that they're, you know, put together. Um, you know, what's acceptable in the office these days or, or in, in a working environment is, is a little different. Um, and I would like to think that we are, you know, um, a go-to men's and women's, um, as to what is, you know, what you can wear in an office, still look good, still feel casual, still feel confident um, wearing. So um, that's where we like to place ourselves and it's certainly uh, been paying off for us. Mm, And I imagine that that positioning was probably really 
a great way for you guys to kind of come out of lockdown too because people had been dressing casually at home and then they kind of want to keep casual but also have a bit of elevated workwear. So, And plus I imagine that they had a bunch of money to spend. Um, I actually saw something the other day that was talking about spending to catch up on, they phrase mm-hmm. it, which I thought was really interesting. Well, people people want to. <laughs> Yeah, it's revenge spend. We, I mean, we saw it last year too. We saw when the lockdown ended in, in Victoria, things were booming. You know, the CBD is where there will be some difficulty for, for time, you know, for a period of time until people come back or tourists come back. But, you know, I can see once lockdown's finished in Bangkok the other day, you know, in Kuala Lumpur, uh, in, you know, in Osaka, you know, these, you know, people bounce back and they, you know, they want to do something. They want to interact and I always say that, you know, they're kind of – the world's split into two types of people, right? More like extroverts and introverts, people that like to interact and talk, people that are probably happy to stay home and work. And, and, but that's half of the people that want to go out, eat, drink, see, you know, touch, feel, try on. And, and you know, so we're, we're absolutely ready for – uh, for that, we've seen Sydney, you know, bounce back already. And I said, we've seen Melbourne before. We've seen Tokyo do it. We've seen, you know, we've seen all of the markets um, bounce back. You know, the UK is absolutely booming. The US is incredibly uh, successful right now. So all markets doing well. Mm. And does that pattern continue? I mean, uh, obviously with this revenge spend, as you uh, have phrased it, is that uh, just a really quick um, peak and then a drop off again, or is it a sustained kind of? I mean, we're obviously heading into Christmas as well, so there's there's that impact too, where people are, are actively seeking out things, and they also then might be planning for events and stuff, uh, returning to the office potentially as well. So, are these factors kind of influencing how they're spending currently? I mean, what 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 have you seen previously, and what do you think is going to happen as as maybe Melbourne and Sydney kind of come out of it? We see in you, you mentioned before about um, you know tailoring items versus sportswear. You know, sportswear has traded very well in, through, the, through the entire pandemic. Um, but what happens, what we see is when people come out, they want to buy something new. They want to buy something that's interesting, something that you know, might be colourful, patented, makes them feel good about themselves or the idea of getting dressed up again um, to, to go to an event or uh, to, you know, see friends, go to dinner or, you know, even come to the office is an opportunity to, to, to make an effort. So I think there's a period of time where we enjoy sort of, you know, hanging around in trekkie pants. But um, what we do see is that people come back and a lot of those postponed events will start to happen again. And let's, let's be honest, there's only two years worth of events that have, that have been postponed. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of catching up to do. And that's really interesting too to touch on the, the the events because you mentioned before that the um, event space and holding events for your customers and having big launch events for uh, appointments like Chris Hemsworth are a kind of big key marketing drivers for you guys. And obviously those those have been off for two years. So Absolutely. how yeah. and you and you touched on there about having this the stylist kind of interact with customers and offering them real really premium experiences and I know um, previously you guys have, have said that you've sent like curated packages out to people with stuff that's got nothing to do with boss it's just based on interests that the you know your teams have have found out about these customers oh, okay this person likes gardening or this person likes the formula one or you know so you you found out this information about your customers and then sent them these lovely curated packages so aside from those kind of key things, how else have you maintained that contact with your customers during this time? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about, um, 
you know, online business and e-commerce. And it's no doubt um, a, a huge uh, a huge driver of sales, but not only sales, but research and, and marketing. Um, it also gives us some analytics um, in, in terms of the, uh, the customer. But what e-commerce doesn't give, you know, it may in the future, is that anecdotal feedback. You know, it doesn't give that sort of that level of detail that our staff, you know, can bring. And I think why do people go to stores? You know, why have we seen a rebound of retail? People think, oh, you know, it, it, it's over, you know, it's dead. You know, maybe the locations have changed a little bit, but it's not over. Why? Because you go there for something that the e-commerce can't give you. That's personal interaction. That's people knowing, you know, who you are. That's delivering something that goes above and beyond, that makes you, you know, makes you feel good, makes you feel remembered, makes you feel special. It's also, you know, getting advice. You go to someone who knows what looks good on you, um, you know, who knows how to, you know, put my what, you know, we see that particularly with female um, clients that are often in executive roles and things like that, like they, they are time poor, you know, families, you know, there might be members of the board, they... And they like, I want to look good, and I, want to, but I just don't have the time. You know, you, you do it for me. So, you know, we like to think that you know our staff, you know, our staff, we can, you know, they're, they're stylists. You know, they're they're, they're personal stylists uh, for our customers, and that is what e-commerce can't really give. You know, who's to say that's not going to happen in the future, in some way, shape, or form? But the humanity of things, right? It's the it's the interaction um, that I think we all strive for. And and as I said, the world is kind of extrovert introvert. I'm an extrovert. I, I just can't wait to go. I can't be bothered buying things online anymore because I can't touch it. I can't feel. I don't get excited about it. So I'm looking forward to um, buying something in Sydney tomorrow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> lucky to be able to to go up there and it'll be what a what a, a wild concept to be on a plane again. It's just um it is. it's totally it is. crazy. But the, the, yeah, the idea of doing long distance with a mask, I have to get my head around that. I used to do that nearly every week. I do on um long distance flights and now yeah, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, and you just sort of hinted a little bit there about um being in the future and potentially the online e-commerce will be able to to somehow offer almost the the retail store experience. And I'm wondering, we've seen virtual shopping, we've seen virtual appointments, we've seen um, like AR try-on um, tools being used throughout the industry um, during the pandemic to try and give that give that opportunity to customers to feel like they are in a store without being there. So, have you guys explored any of those types of tools, or are you planning on doing something like that? Yeah, I mean, virtual appointments, and as I said, we, you know, we have very close contacts, particularly with, I suppose, you know, they're, they're in a first-name basis, you know, customer contacts where we're sending, you know, uh, information to them, things that they like, things that, we, that you know, they might like to add on. Um, what we're going to start doing more on a local level rather than um, a head, which is a German headquarter level, is start to um, have somebody that can help uh, with online. You know, Australia... Um, is already, I think, the, the number three market in terms of its online in, um, engagement. So, you know, um, most of that is done out of the, the headquarters in Germany, but of course that doesn't happen until later in the evening. So what we're doing is is we're going to have someone based here that can interact with customers and help. And they will generally be people that come from stores um, because I think, you know, in the future, we don't want to sort of separate the ideas of you know retail and you know online or or even you know, wholesale um, c- 
component. We we know that customers expect to get product from any channel that they choose. And so therefore the service has to be, you know, in line wherever they get it from. So it's going to be, um, I think in the future, you'll see, you know, people that have customer, you know, once upon a time would have been your, your little black book, um, or, you know, of customers, they'll be able to interact with them in the store or, you know, online or pick up new customers uh, that way. And so, you know, we're very much focused on a, an omni-channel uh, training and experience um, rollout. And that's really interesting too because the omni-channel is a lot of what retailers are focusing on now. Fashion retail um, is doing quite a lot of things and digitizing the stores. And I saw you guys did something really interesting. I think it was in Japan with the stores where you could scan sort of each clothing item on the mannequin. Is that correct? Am I am I remembering that correctly? I'm not sure about that one. We We have like virtual stores. Yeah, um, I think have that's like what a, I'm, yeah. yeah. So, so um, what's very important, particularly in markets like Japan, where you know the top tier customers are actually some of the you know, the highest spending customers you know, in, in the world. Um, the idea of being getting exclusive or special or special treatment. Once upon a time, we would have done a presentation, perhaps in a hotel um, or a special trunk show. What we couldn't, we can't, we couldn't do that, and we still can't do that so it forced us to you know look to other ways to do that so we created a virtual store where you can come in look at the product you know turn it around get the information with the help of the um the you know our sales coordinator and then they can um place an order so those kind of um this kind of tool is generating huge amounts of interest and the 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 beauty of that is that once upon a time it was just for a top tier event but now it can go to all customers you know, it's something that all customers can tap into and um, and have that sort of, you know, specialized experience. You know, that generates huge amounts of um, what we'd say pre-income. So until the, you know, it's, it's on order and once the product hits the stores, you know, it goes out. So it's, in a way, it's, uh, yeah, it's safe, it's safeguarding the, the budgets. So it's worked really well. You know, J- Japan started that and they are trialing that in other markets as well. How are you managing that kind of local reopening? I mean, we've seen, I guess, a debate over vaccine mandates and how that's going to be rolled out with authorised workers and COVID-safe operations and checking people's vaccine passports and that sort of thing. So I'm wondering, just as a as a look to or to be in the present, I guess we could call it, how are you, how are you kind of managing that sort of thing? Well, that's, you know, up until the government mandated it, it was quite difficult to navigate, to be absolutely honest. You know, we're often sitting on calls with the ARA, you know, trying to work out, you know, what's happening, what's going to happen. Are we going to, going to be able to go in prior to set up our stores? Could, you can imagine when stores have been closed for so long, how much work there is to do and how much stock needs to come in and go out. And so there was all that kind of, um, you know, we're going backwards and forwards. But, of course, once the New South Gov- uh, Wales government made it clear that, uh, you know, particularly from the 70% mark that vaccinated shoppers and um, that would also mean vaccinated staff um, was, was, a, was a prerequisite, then it, it, it was a much easier conversation to have. It was very clear that's what had to ha- happen. Then we had to check to see, you know, where the vaccination rates were and, you know, there's some, you know, some people have, um, have, an, have an opinion on things, but, you know, in this case, you know, there is no other way. There was no other way. You know, if you if you if you want to work, then you have to be vaccinated, and that's the same for Victoria. 
And so, you know, yeah, so, that's so that mandate is the clarity of the government. Yeah, yeah, the clarity of the government made it clear, of course, masks. And the thing that we're probably more worried about is the reaction of customers and how we can track that. Do you have them stand outside? Do you come in? How do you, so the applications and, and, and things like that, It's it, that's a not an easy thing to ask, you know, our employees to do. It's I'm truly with them on that. And it's one of the reasons I want to, you know, I'm going to see them be working in the stores because, you know, that's that's a hard one to to, to manage. But um, we've done some training around that and, um, you know, so far, so good. So, Matt, those were all the big questions that I had for you today. Was there any sort of final points that you wanted to make before the episode comes to an end? Yeah, I, mean, I was just uh, thinking before to um, – back to your question around the casualization and how we've been able to sort of broaden the sportswear um, and still, you know, obviously sell tailored items. Um, and that's been, you know, a really successful move in terms of, for example, working with our business partners like, you know, David Jones, where we would once have been placed firmly on the uh, suiting floor. Um, we are now, you know, asking to be, you know, slap bang in the middle of what we call like a lifestyle brand so that we you know one side of the store is you know very much about tailored items and the other is all about sportswear you know even athleisure to that to to that extent so that's been really successful and you know um i think david jones is a good example the sales have been really really strong um particularly you know um this uh since we came out of lockdown last year um and that is uh really testament to the fact that you know we We've, we've worked with them and shown them our new strategy um, and it's working because, yeah, we can see that sales growth is coming out of both channels. And it's a really interesting, I guess, um, manifestation of the the overall strategy in the digital kind of space that you see on social and digital coming into the bricks and mortar store in a really obvious sort of way, maybe not to the customer, but but to you guys and to people in the know um, that, you know, you're not so much a suit, purely suiting brand anymore. It's more in the lifestyle section. So that's, that's a right. really We've got something for everyone. Yeah. 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 The idea is it, there's something for all occasions and that's what we, we, you know, we want to be known for. And I think in you know, certain sectors yeah, we already are. So. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much. It's been really it's insightful conversation with you today and um, have fun in Sydney. All right. Thanks very much. Cheers. And hey, for you listening, if you're enjoying this episode, please feel free to head on over to the Rag Trader website and subscribe to our free daily newsletter. That's where you can get all the information on the Australian fashion industry straight to your inbox. Thanks so much for joining me and have a great day. You have been listening to Rag Trader Radio, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Rag Trader, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Rag Trader, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to info at yaffa.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's fashion industry at ragtrader.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.